Hello everybody, it's us again. It's What Would the Smart Party Do? I'm your co-host Baz, and over there's my old friend. Hello, I'm the other co-host, Gaz. How are you doing, Baz? <laughs> Coping with isolation? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I won't lie, it's just weird and I don't think I like it anymore. Get me out of here! <laughs> it's always it's things like this that keep me going. <laughs> there, There is ups and downs to it. There is ups and downs, which is going to be one of the features of our hot button topic that we're going to be talking about this week. Um, but let's let's move on to let's move on to some nicer things before we do that. Some parish news, some births, deaths, and weddings. Well, none of those are going to get included. Um, we've branched out, haven't we, with our faces for radio? We've got a, a new project, a new old project. I don't know. Yeah, we're on the YouTube now. We've released our first episode. Uh, Frozen Sick, gemmed capably by our good friend Matt from Steamforge Games. He does hate it when I call him that as well because he does have another life besides Steamforge. He's, you know, a GM in his own right. He's does his own writing, game design, all kinds of things. But yeah, that's that's probably how most people will know him <laughs> as an easy description. They know who I mean when I say that. I thought it was his surname. And his middle name is At. <laughs> I thought he was from like a far flung climb where those kind of names were normal. Uh, no, to me, he's my he's my GM. <laughs> he's the bloke who runs my weekly game. So it's, it's weird. Anyway, yeah, the lovely Matt has uh, stepped up into uh, taken one for the team and sat in the GM's chair and is running us through. Uh, at the moment, he's running us through uh, a free scenario called Frozen Sick, as you say, which is uh, part of the Critical Role Wild Amount Wild Amount setting book for D and D. So <laughs> we've gone for the gone for the big slice of the pie straight away. We won't be staying there in that particular place for very long. We've got a couple of episodes of that. And then uh, a little bit of post-game analysis where we as the players and Matt as GM and the other Matt, who's our other player at Loot the Corpses, we kind of take apart the scenario that we've played. And uh, Matt's been running it for us. Rules is written straight out of the book. We're going to see what we might do if we wanted to remix it uh turn up the volume in certain sections, turn down the volume in others. If we had an adventure graphic equaliser, mm. what kind of levers would we press to make it hopefully even better? That's the idea. That's a good description, yeah. And we're aiming with Uzcore 3, so me, Baz and Matt will be like the the regular faces you see every time, probably every two weeks. And then we'll have a guest chair. So we had Keeper Matt, Loop the Corpses, on Twitter with us last time. Uh, he will run something for us at some point. We've got Lots of the friends of the show as well are going to come along and either play or gem or ideally both will do one of each with them just to kind of give you a different flavour of all kinds of different games and setups and scenarios and people and, and their approaches to how they run stuff. And current thinking is that we're going to try and go through some of the quick start scenarios that we probably all got clogging up our hard drives, if nothing else, during this period of isolation. There's an awful lot of free content out there and um, we've spoken about quick starts on our podcast before. And they are definitely supposed to be a showcase for the system. So we thought, why don't we take those scenarios, run them, so you can use it as a review show if you like, or just to try before you buy. Or maybe you've run that quick start yourself and you want to see what it's like when another group go through the same thing. And so this is all going to be stuff that you can play at home. Um, And immediately we're going to break that rule, aren't we, as soon as we finish the Critical Role one and do something different. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) What do, do Iron Sword or something? A player by Apocalypse game. <laughs> and then there is no scenario apart from what you make at the table. But that, that is our one. We do like a bit of variety at our place. 
Yeah, we do. Yeah. So we got you know, you if you don't like it, there'll be another one along in a minute. If you do like it, we'll probably return to it at another point, so it's still worth hanging around. Um, you can find us on YouTube at What Would The Smart Party Do? Just type that into the search engine. It'll get there. There aren't many people silly enough to have the same name. Um, and you can see our first episode is up now, and we're looking to release every fortnight or thereabouts on a Saturday night. Uh, so grab yourself a hot beverage or a cold one and uh, watch along for a couple of hours, and hopefully we'll keep you entertained. Sure, and if you can subscribe, hit the bell, like, comment, send us your feedback, of course, because we always like to hear more. Or if there's things you think we should be reviewing or looking at, if there's a hot new game coming out, or there's perhaps uh, something you wanted to try but never got around to it and need someone to give it a go for you so you can work out whether you'll actually like it or not in play, give us some suggestions and we'll have a look and see if we can fit them in the schedule. Yes, so... What does that mean for this podcast? I mean, our glorious patrons have kept us on the audio road for some years now, and we continue to be ever grateful for that. And that kind of that kind of uh, support has enabled us to branch out into video as well. We're not leaving the microphones behind, though, are we, mate? No, not at all. This is uh, this is always what we wanted to do, and we do like our little gaming shed, our virtual one. It's amusing, in fact, quite a lot of listeners still think that we we somehow record together in the same place. Which will be wonderful, but we're a hundred miles or more away from each other. So uh, it's good to know that we can still produce something that sounds like we're just together having a chat. And perhaps if you're listening, it's maybe like we're around your house or in the pub together. So we'll always carry on doing that as uh, as long as we can. Yeah, absolutely. I wish we could get in the pub together. That'd be nice. I miss pubs. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not going to say I never thought I would. I always thought I would miss pubs. It turns out I was right. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably worth mentioning as well. We'll give a shout out for uh, Dr. Mitch, a good friend of the show. He's been on a couple of times and he's written Liminal, the RPG. He, on a Friday night, has a virtual pub where he sets up about five or six different Google Hangout rooms, virtual rooms for people to go to. So if you're in the mood for some gaming chat and miss the pub, keep an eye out on Dr. Mitch on Twitter or on Facebook uh, and spot his links because he's got the Mitch and her arms open every Friday so gamers can get together and chat about stuff. The Smart Party are raising funds to help with the running costs of the show. We use Patreon, which is kind of like a modern magic item that turns you into a connoisseur of all that is good in gaming. To show your support, just head over to patreon.com slash thesmartparty. You can donate a dollar, a credit, a copper piece, or a fiver per month. It all goes into the portable whole of web hosting costs and helps us look after you every month with new Smart Party content. Patreons get a big thanks from us, some backer-only goodies as and when, and the warm, confident glow of the just and righteous to help you sleep at night. Join the Smart Party at patreon.com today and tell all your friends tomorrow. Cheers! Like many people, but not all, uh, we found ourselves with a little bit of time on our hands, usually of an evening, still pushing it hard during the daytime, still looking after key workers and all of that kind of stuff. And I appreciate everyone's situation is very, very, very different. But I will say that the only thing I'm going to remember about April is the countless hours of role-playing games that I have played. How about you guys? It's interesting, isn't it? It's kind of like a bell curve. That at the start of April, was perhaps wasn't having that many games, and all of a sudden it exploded mm. to by mid-April. I was gaming more or less every night, or talking about gaming, in, the, in between the cracks. And as it got more towards the end of the month and into May, it's kind of started to trail off a little bit. Perhaps not a perfect bell curve, but there was definitely um, a spike and then a, a tailing off again. 
you know, there are many graphs available on the internet that will match <laughs> yeah. what we've been doing almost exactly, but with probably worse equations attached to them. But no, you're right. Mate. And that drags us to uh, to our topic for this evening's discussion. It is just me and Gaz. We've got no guests tonight. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to keep it old school and we're going to keep it low. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a virulous disease that is running rampant throughout the gaming society at the moment, which is called burnout. It's uh, It's been around for as long as I can remember. It's been a topic of discussion on every forum I've ever frequented at one point or another. It seems to be one of those perennials. It comes up all the time. People will post to say, oh, do you know, I'm just not feeling it. I think I've got burnout. It's usually a GM, but then what isn't on the internet? And it's usually someone saying, I am really not feeling what I was feeling. What do I do about it? that tonight because I think um, well we'll find out in a sec but I think that Gaz and I could both safely say we've been through periods of that um, and hopefully come out the other side um, but with two things I wanted to bring up straight away number one is our advice uh, it could be construed as like well then just stop playing but the reason I don't want to do that is it would be for a very very short podcast <laughs> so <laughs> that that's kind of an option right just stop playing I get that <laughs> that is an option uh, and the second reason I probably don't want to go down that road too much is I actually don't know if it is a solution so maybe I'll come back to that later on so burnout guys first thoughts so there's a mixture of things there isn't there there's a probably a definition it is easy to say if it's not fun don't do it and that's that's fine to as far as it goes but it's, it's a binary choice then isn't it they're then saying either game or don't, and those are the only options you've got, which doesn't feel like in the nuanced world in which we live, that's a reasonable option. You know, just that just feels too simplistic. First of all, you might not know you're suffering from burnout. You might be having games every week and just be a bit frustrated, and every week get a little bit more frustrated to the point where you're getting so that you're moaning about your players all the time as a gem or that kind of things, or as players you're grumpy about what the gem's doing. And it might be that you are burnt out at that point to a certain degree. It doesn't mean everybody should immediately start playing. You you can sort of deal with that situation. It might mean play something different. It might mean play less. It might mean someone else gems. You know, there's a bunch of different things you can do. So, yeah, I think it is definitely too simplistic just to say, if you're burned out, stop, and then come back at some point. That's just not necessarily a, a nuanced enough answer for what might be going on in the dynamics of a game. Yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, I really do feel the same, mate, on that one. The thing is, the temptation to take a break—that seems—it's it's quite, it's well-meaning advice when you hear that. I've probably given it myself in the past. Take a break. However, bitter experience tells me that breaks become permanent. They just do. I'm sure they don't mean to, and I'm sure that people have taken breaks um, for in good faith uh, all the time. You, you heard the, it's the only time I ever hear the word hiatus. I've never heard it applied to anything else in my life except people with long-running campaigns who go, oh, it's currently on hiatus. And then you check the posting date and it says 1996. It's like that's some hiatus you've got going on it, mate. So not only is it, I think, perhaps it's it maybe an easy, easy opt-out is to just stop. Even if you've got in your mind, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to take a temporary break. We'll come back to it. You don't. You just don't come back to it. Um, and it's worth exploring why that happens or doesn't happen, I suppose. Why don't people pick up stuff? And, and I have a feeling, and uh, we'll talk this out, that the reason for the burnout was probably not just the amount of game you were playing. 
I have a feeling it's worth looking at what is it that's making you have different feelings about the game you're playing in at that moment. It may be the long longevity of it. It may be that you want a change. But if you really are feeling those symptoms of burnout, and I guess we should talk about those as well, what's causing it? Because otherwise you're, you're finding perhaps the wrong remedy for the ailment. Yeah, and, and there's also the, the feature that you might be burned out just generally with life. You might be, yeah, I don't know, looking at redundancy or you could have family problems or, you, you know, there's all manner of things that could be going on that cause you to be burned out. And trying to play or run or plan a campaign as well on top of all that is a little bit too much and something's got to give. So there might be a, a case for that. But I think we probably want to focus more about gaming burnout rather than what's going on in people's lives because obviously we can't do anything about that. That's just an unfortunate thing that will happen. It's just worth mentioning it because no matter what advice we give you tonight, there'll be times in your life where you just do need to step away and that's just the way yes. it is. You know, can't be helped. Yeah. We are not mental health professionals at all. So, you know, if you've got stuff going on in your life that is causing you to take no pleasure in the things that you normally do, I would suggest that there may be worth talking to someone who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to that kind of thing, because that is a classic sign that there may be deeper issues. So we don't want to skate over this stuff at all, do we, mate? But conscious of our of, of what's within our jurisdiction here is uh, I do feel that I could talk about what it's like to play games over a long period of time, lots of different things with different personalities and different demands, um, but I can't talk to you about your relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So, yes, I think there's a thing when you're burned out... I think you can see it coming quite often. If there's been a feature of games over the years, I've played in lots of campaigns where I'm aware and everybody else seems acutely aware that nobody's enjoying it. Or we're playing it because that's what we do every Tuesday. And no one wants to say, can we stop doing this now? Or that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Or the players start acting up or the GM starts putting lack of effort into what he's doing and you can tell he's making it up on the fly or whatever. That sometimes you just have a dynamic where... Uh, nobody wants to take social responsibility for saying let's end this game and I think that can be that just gets that's a fuse that you can see getting nearer and nearer the bomb until eventually mm -hmm. someone kicks off or you know you fall out as friends so I've had lots of campaigns like that certainly when I was younger where the game just seemed to keep going because we had a Tuesday night game or whatever night it is uh, and that's something that probably needs addressing outside the game but it can easily be addressed and you can have a chat about it. And if people aren't really feeling it as much, if you put a time frame on that and say, look, we've got about two or three sessions and then we're going to get to this bit and that's going to be a nice finish. And then we can come back to it later if we need to. And obviously you never will. But I think as long as people know that there is an end to a game, that I've seen liven things up no end. When people know they're not going to have to play it forever, not that anybody does have to play it forever, but you sometimes feel trapped into a long campaign. If you put a time box around it or a number of sessions or something like that, that will help and stop the fraying and the burning sensation that you might have if you're feeling burned out because you know it's coming to a conclusion. So you've only got a little bit left and then you know it will end. So that can help for starters. Uh, yeah, I would agree. It's um, There's loads of things that we could do, I think, to prevent people burning out. Uh, I guess we will have to talk about what happens when it is time to just go I can't do this anymore, you know, and that's that is a perfectly acceptable solution. But it's just you know not not one we could chat about for long. I think there's loads we could do to prevent burnout and um, setting expectations at the start of a campaign is a good one. And you don't have to go back very far into our back catalogue on this podcast. We have talked about this so many times. 
I, I cannot see the sense anymore on a personal level. I, I'm never going to say, let's play Master of Nihilathotep and I've gone and bought <laughs> loads of side missions off the internet and expanded versions of it that means that we'll be able to play this for the next eight, well, I think it's eight or nine years of play if we play every fortnight. What do you say, guys? Because you're just you're setting everybody up for a, well, you're just setting up the campaign to not end, and and that's not satisfactory for anyone. Best will in the world, those kind of big plans aren't going to cut it. And in my D and D sphere, I see it all the time because Wizards of the Coast will often release their adventures outside of DM's Guild. Their adventures are big hardback tomes. Um, they they'll do I don't know maybe ten levels on average, some some more, some less, and they give you enough stuff there that you'll be playing it for a year at least. And people are always saying, well, which one should I get? And it's like, um, that's the wrong question to be asking straight away. It's like, which one could you get? Which one could you actually fit into your life? I think, I don't know many people now who can commit to that kind of stuff and, and set out to run that marathon, because that's what it is. Setting out to run a marathon on a regular basis and then getting another five people to also keep pace with you throughout that marathon. This is kind of doomed at the outset um, doesn't mean it's not something to aspire to but we've talked before about building up campaigns in episode lengths or seasons I suppose and then stacking them on top of each other having lots of little break points which would make it a really good point to finish and leave it on a high or if everyone's jonesing for it let's dive straight back in um, and just have you know have something that you can reach out in the calendar and touch as a potential stopping breaking or end point yeah. it's got to be worthwhile yeah, definitely. And I think it's the Milton Keynes Game Club that do this. But they have longs and shorts. So they have like an eight hour, mm. uh, not eight hour, uh, an eight week cycle. And then they go to a four week cycle. And then they're back to eight week cycles again. So you mm. tend to do like, I don't know, a D&D type game in the eight week slot. And then for the four weeks, you might do uh, some of the more indie games, as we call them, or the, the, you know, the small press stuff. And there might be four sessions of Blades in the Dark, or it might be four one-shots, or whatever. And it's a bit of a palate cleanser, and it gives you a chance to play some of the games as well. And then, you set up for another eight-week slot of Pendragon, or back to the D&D campaign again, or whatever it might be, or Call of Cthulhu, or something like that. So it's definitely worth looking at. You, you don't have to stick rigidly to one format, and that's it for the rest of the, you know, the next five years while you do this one campaign. You can mix yeah. and match it a little bit, and I think part of that decision will be uh, <laughs> will be the game that you pitch at the beginning. So, if you are the sort of person who likes to play through published modules and adventures and adventure paths, even, and you want to play, I don't know, Tomb of Annihilation, a fairly big hardback classic D and D book these days, then it's going to be very difficult to stop playing that without it feeling like something's gone wrong. So if you get two-thirds of the way through it and you really aren't feeling it, not only have you got that peer pressure that you talked about, guys, where you don't want to let anyone down, you know, you feel like everyone else is enjoying it and you're not. You feel like you're on your own and you also feel like stepping away means that nobody will then be able to have any fun afterwards because that's what goes through your head when you're burning out. <laughs> well, if, if you're playing a published adventure, you could all be feeling like that and even saying it openly, but you feel like you're literally wasting your money like that sunk cost fallacy because you can't speed up the adventure to get to the end. If you were writing your own stuff, if it was Gaz's game, only you know what's in the next instalment or the one beyond that. And time can compress and expand any way you want it to. 
But if you're flicking over, you've just turned another page in your 300-page book. You've had that encounter. Here's another page. Once every couple of hours. Then you, you are all might end up feeling like you're on the treadmill a bit. Even in a good game, there will be an element of treadmill about it. And, a, and treadmills aren't fun. That's that's why they that's why I have to put them in nice buildings to make you want to get on them. <laughs> they have a video screen so you can watch Netflix. Yeah, I... <laughs> So one of the most frequent ones I see is people saying they want to play the uh, the big Great Pendragon campaign yeah, from start to finish. It's like, I mean, my instant reaction is, no, you don't. You might think you do now, but trust me, you don't. <laughs> do you say that out loud? Do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I do these people our age because they might not live to the end of it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and certainly, I, I, from my perspective, that product has a lot of just fighting Saxons at the start that isn't interesting, isn't the good bit of Pendragon, so I don't know why you would. But it's that thing you were talking about, having that aspiration, saying, oh, there's this thing you can grow up and you can have kids and they'll grow up to be knights and then they'll inherit your lands and this. And that's always seemed like a good part of something to aspire to with Pendragon, but it takes ages. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's actually probably something bigger than most people are going to buy off and cheap. You know, they'll yeah. do the first few weeks and then it won't get there. Um, so I think you're right, doing it more episodic and saying we're doing this chunk or getting something in, in a, a small achievable goals to use management speak, but you pick something that you think you're definitely going to be able to achieve and you set out for that and do that. And if you get to the end of it and you want to carry on and do another chunk, then just carry on and you're still in your campaign. You've not lost anything. But if you do get to the end and you want to maybe take a break or try something different or just stop altogether, it's good to have that social contract that you all know that after X weeks or X episodes, you're going to have a review session to decide whether you want to do it again. Yeah, yeah, agreed, mate. It's um, it's just common sense, I think. Really, is uh, you don't have to limit your ambitions. I think we, I don't want any of this podcast to come across like gaming is pain or gaming is something to power through or anything like that at all. Gaming is great, but tastes change. Tastes change within yourself, you know. We've uh, I'm sure loads of our listeners will have encountered this. I know you have, guys. So you, I'm sure you'll be nodding along in a minute. But you you pitch your game to a convention, which isn't going to go happen for six months. Mm-hmm. And you've just bought a nice new shiny book from Leisure Games, or you've downloaded it off Drive-Thru, and it is the hottest thing you've ever read. You are so desperate to play it. Uh, and so you gleefully type up 100 words about this great game you're going to be running. And then over the course of that six months, as the convention gets closer and closer, and you realise you haven't really done your pre-gens yet, because, well, that dastardly gaming business went and wrote more stuff that you liked even more. And you've just kind of gone off the boil with it a little bit. So if that can happen and you haven't even played it yet, it's just sitting there pulsing at you going, play me, play me, play me. Imagine what happens to campaigns and stuff that you are actively running. Of course your head is going to get turned like that internet meme. You're going to be looking around over your left-hand shoulder at the other game that just wandered by. Yeah, It's inevitable. And if it's not you, it'll be someone else in the game. No, absolutely. Yeah, me and all the GMs I speak to have that thing where I understand that organisers want games in early so they can advertise things and get people to come to their conventions. But we've all found something different by the time the game's rolling around to be run. Or we've tried the game that we thought was great and we've played it enough time and now we're burnt out on it because we've played it solidly for eight weeks and we've had enough time <laughs> to play something different. Yeah. You know? it's, I mean, we keep using burnout to mean a variety of things, but I think it's it's having enough of something, isn't it? It's when you've had enough and don't really want to carry it on. So the point is, it's not feel like fun anymore. 
it feels like I'm yeah. a bit of a chore. And that could be a variety of different things, but yeah. You know, it's it's a difficult one as well because it's something you'd be... Re- I guess it's like a, an album sometimes, isn't it, where you listen to the same album for ages. I think this is the best album I've ever heard. But then after a couple of months of owning the car, every commute, you started to get a bit fed up with it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's any so- less good or anything like that, or you don't like it necessarily. It's just that you've had enough of that particular thing for now. Absolutely. And there is so much stuff coming down the pipe in the gaming industry and, and just the stuff that you want to do as well that it, it's inevitable. You can't play anything forever. So I guess number one on our checklist is small achievable goals, you called it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You know, just being realistic with yourself and with other people too. And that, and that that's also, especially actually, that's if you're a player too. I don't know how many times... Um, you've done this I've certainly done it where someone's announced on the internet that they're going to run uh, a game who wants to play and you throw your hand in the air but then when you look at your actual calendar you look at what's achievable in your working week and your family situation or whatever situation you find yourself in and you think man I don't know actually if I really should have committed to Fall of Delta Green for the next two years (laughs) quite apart from the fact it wasn't going to happen so you know there's some cold comfort in that because you're not going to get to two years but (laughs) but you're setting yourself up if you if you really have to push other things aside to to fulfil what you believe is a solid commitment you've made, then that you've got to be realistic with yourself as well. And and there, honesty is the best policy. Don't start something you cannot finish. Just be honest with it and go, oh, do you know what? Actually I don't think I can. And rather than leave you guys in the lurch, let's not let's not even start for me. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and certainly from a from the other side of the fence, I'd definitely rather hear that as a gem. If someone is going to end up being flaky. I can't make it through. Not follow the role. They've just overcommitted, perhaps. Just say up front, actually, and, and organise that before you even start playing because it's better to only go for the things you can do with intent rather than just show willing initially but then not be able to follow it through. Yeah. So overcommitment. Then. So this brings us to, I think, a, a pretty big question because this last month or so has, has kind of, I think, been the test for this. Is there such a thing as too much gaming? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'll have both your answers in that order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there clearly is because of the the issue that you mentioned there where you just can't, actually can't commit to everything. Hmm. And if you're playing every night in a different game, I'd suggest that the quality will suffer over time if you're doing that. I don't know, unless you've got, you know, if you're, independently wealthy or you've got a very understanding partner and there's, you know, there's all kinds of other things you'd need to happen to be able to do that uh, I think probably for the sake of not getting burnt out on gaming uh, it's better not to be gaming every night maybe mm, probably yeah I mean I, I've gotten up to uh, my my record recently was six games in a week mm. out of seven days uh, and that happened a couple of weeks on the bounce so that sounds like a lot that is a lot Frankly, that is a lot. Uh, and, but these games were, you know, evening games. Um, not, so I'm not counting stuff during the day. I, I do, you know, regular everyday stuff <laughs> during the day. So six evenings out of seven. Um, didn't burn out off the back of that. Happy happy that I've played all of those games. But, but, but conscious that, you know, other parts of my life aren't getting the attention that perhaps they should be, you know. So, you know, I, I can't believe how little Netflix I've watched <laughs> everyone else is like telling me about box sets. I looked at Netflix yesterday, and I, and what on the old what's new thing? I hadn't seen any of it. 
And there was definitely a time where I knew every single show backwards on Netflix. This isn't a bad thing, by the way, but something has got to give. There's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. And if you feel that you can commit to doing six nights a week, then that's not a problem if it's not a problem. But you've got to be aware that you are putting putting activities into a calendar that essentially cannot flex past a certain point. Yeah. Now, at the end of the day, you know, I work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, depending on demand. Uh, but they pay me to do that. My hobby time, I'm really passionate about my hobby and I'm not putting 40, 50, 60 hours a week into that. So I'm capable of, of challenging my brain and coming up with stuff and being creative for you know extended periods of time. So that's not a burnout for me. But I'm thinking about it and maybe that's what's stopping it being burnout. I'm keeping a close eye on my brain and the people around me and what's achievable and my reactions to stuff because I'm kind of conscious that I'm kind of in the red zone if I'm doing five yeah. six seven nights a week that's got to be something to just be mindful of yeah yeah uh, well as with all things we're not going to tell anybody how to live their lives if they want to run no. or play games seven nights a week every week of the year you go for it if you think you can handle that and uh, it's good for you but you I mean there's things like I realise we're in lockdown now, but as soon as that finishes, I think a lot of our gaming is going to have to like we have to do a, a cost benefit analysis about whether we get to do it or not. You know, we, yeah. you've just not got the same freedom. And then there'll be things like christenings, or someone's getting married, or holidays, or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's like chunks of time when you can't do anything because you're not your computer. You're away with the family for a couple of weeks, or whatever else it might be that's going on, or you get a new job, or you know, all kinds of things. So I think, like you say, real life will intrude, and it's just a matter of making your own balance there and working out what you can do and what you can't. And if you're getting stressed about all kinds of things, look at all the things in your life and work out which one can be trimmed back a bit, because it's probably yeah. a bit gaming. <laughs> You'll be on the back burner for a while to get your head sorted. Yeah, now, um, but I don't want to ever use the word normal, because clearly there's no such thing, but let's just take a, a an everyday scenario then. So Let's say it's not that extreme, you know, people aren't doing six, seven nights, you know. Um, we're not in a lockdown situation most of the time, so let's talk about the time we're not. Let's say you're playing a game every week. Let's say, I don't know, it's a Friday night. There's you and your friends. You get together every Friday night. You play uh, a three, four-hour session. You have some snacks. They're good mates, and you've been playing a regular game for the last, I don't know, eight, nine weeks. And every now and again, GM roll swaps. That sounds to me to be a pretty everyday kind of scenario. Um, and for some people, they'll be listening to that going, oh, it sounds like luxury. Oh, I wish <laughs> yeah. I could have that. But all right, so it's it's a default. Let's call it a default. Is it still possible to be burned out in that situation? I think it is, answering my own question, because I see people post on forums all the time. I'm really not feeling it. I'm being burnt out. I feel like I need to take a break. I don't know how to tell my players, and it is usually that way as well. So so where did, where did the burnout come from in those situations? Because that feels manageable, and it obviously must have done to people in that situation to a point. It comes down to one person feeling like they have the responsibility and having to carry everything. So typically yeah. as GM, you have to prepare things, and there's a certain level of expectation amongst your players. And if it isn't, a game isn't to a standard, then they might say things which make you feel bad. Or it could be they're perfectly happy, whatever, and you yourself, as a GM, have a, an expectation of what your standard should be. And if the game's not as good as it could have been, and you know it isn't, because you didn't quite find the time to prepare or whatever it might be, you beat yourself up about it because you think, 
I should have done a better job there. And everybody's just being nice when they say it was perfectly good. When in fact it might have been perfectly good. And, and that's just the state. But it's quite often as a gem, it's a bit of a lonely role. I suppose it's a bit like being a manager or something where all the workforce can talk to each other, but you as a manager have to stay aloof. And it's the same <laughs> yeah. with the gym and players. The players will all talk to each other about how they think it's going or what they want to do next week or this kind of stuff. But there's things that you've got going on behind your virtual gem screen that only you can tweet to. There's no one else you can speak to about it, really, about your particular game, apart from perhaps to go on the internet and try and speak to the gems and come up with your questions and ask for solutions mm-hmm. to things, which a lot of the time are down to the dynamics of a particular group and other gems can't help you with. But I think it's that mm-hmm. that position of being alone and having a level of responsibility as well, because we've mentioned this before as well, but frequently if there's a social problem in the group, some guy's just being a bit of a dick or gets too drunk or you know there's some behaviour that the players don't like, people look to the GM to sort that out rather than as a group sorting it out, as a group of adults. Mm. So I think the problem is even with an infrequent game that the GM quite often can feel isolated and takes everything upon themselves to sort out and sees problems sometimes where there aren't any, but is constantly worried about doing a good job. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on, mate. I've, I've certainly felt that myself in the past, you know. And I think that a feedback loop... Oh, it's loads of management talk today. <laughs> a feedback loop is, is... Yeah, well, you know, these guys have got it down there. They know what it's like to be working in teams on projects. And if that isn't a role-playing game, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but um, you've got... I think it's really important, and I, I forget this all the time, is that that GM role is huge sometimes. And in that GM's head, it might be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the role of the players might be getting smaller and smaller as time goes on. When you find yourself like um, uh, sitting down at the start of a session, which which you're engaged about, you've got a Jones for, uh, you, you're setting out your, your bits of kit on the table or online, and you look at your players groups and you say, okay, who wants to recap what we did last time? And it's tumbleweed. When you're starting to feel burnt out, that can be like a real kick in the guts because you think, oh, God, they just don't even care. Yeah. They, don't, they, they don't care. When it becomes them and us across the screen, <laughs> which is, I think, a sign of burnout, that, that's when you know. Um, and the fact as well is that it's, it's usually illusory. It's, it's not that the players don't care. Far from it. They might just be a little bit polite and didn't want to start first and they were waiting for someone else to speak. Um, but you can read into things. You can read things that aren't there. Like if you uh, if you're the man in charge of sending out the emails, like uh, you know, uh, right, meeting this Sunday at eight thirty, yeah? Question mark, and not everyone comes back to you on the email. You know you're burning out when you get when you take that personally, <laughs> and it's not. It's just people being people, and and I I've been player and GM in that situation, and as the player, you you just forget that someone's someone's kind of looking for a little bit of a G up. And and, a little, and sometimes getting getting hold of that player who's a really good cheerleader can be just good for morale all the way through. We're making the game sound like it's being at war. It's not. It's not <laughs> at all. But when you're burning out, it can really feel like you're in the trenches to keep the metaphor going there. And you just want someone to bring you a, a metaphorical hot mug of tea and say, I think you're doing a good job. And then you spring into action with the next mission and the next adventure. The good friends of Jackson Elias are Scott Dawood, Paul Fricker and Matthew Sanderson. And together they talk on their podcast about Call of Cthulhu, horror films and weird fiction, as well as other horror role-playing games. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or head over to blasphemoustomes.com.
something like in Savage Worlds, we've talked about this, like you use a card monkey. So you use cards for initiative in that game. So what you do is assign that to a player and say you've got to dish out all the cards and collect them in again. That's your job, to take one thing away from the gym. Mm. And it it's arguably worth having a like a cheerleader player, like you say, going, do you know what? You're in charge of organising the game. I'm running it and I'm bringing in the scenario and everything and blah, blah, blah. But you've got to ask all the other players if they're still available on that day, etc., and make yeah. sure everybody's replied and all that kind of stuff. Um, because I think the trouble is, even as a group, when you'll say, "Oh, we'll all do it. We'll check on each other. We'll like, you know, I'll ask Jeff and you ask Frank and blah blah blah. And we'll sort it out." And then nobody really does. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Or one person does, and it always ends up being that person, and then they think that nobody else cares anymore because they're always doing it. It's it's a really yeah. odd social dynamic, but it seems to happen often. Is that everybody wants other people to do it, or like quite often I have players who think, oh yeah, well obviously we're playing, but they don't say. So as as a GM you yeah. don't know, but in their head they think they've said, you don't know. What it's, and they're like, why wouldn't I play? So like, I don't know. Why would... <laughs> Anything could have happened. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think it just yeah. behooves all those players to be a bit more proactive on that. I think and uh, give affirmative answers and say, yeah, I did like that. Yeah, because. I've had this before trying to organise games and people you get responses which I don't think are meant to sound bad but you'll get something <laughs> like I suppose so or it'll probably be fine and that, and, but it just doesn't read well do you know what I mean it's not like yes I can't wait to play our game it's like well as long as you know I'm not told I'm doing anything else by the missus or as you know if I've got nothing better That's on right. and there's nothing on Netflix then I'll turn up uh, it's probably just worth moderating language to be aware that the, the person on the other end is looking for it and enthusiastic positive response not just a vaguely committal, probably. Well, yeah, it's it, this will make us sound like we're dead needy as GMs, and maybe we are. Maybe all GMs are a little bit <laughs> Speak needy. Speak to us. <laughs> yeah, because you, you want a bit of validation to what you're doing. And listen, when you're, going, when you're going through a bit of a hard time with your gaming, and again, I don't mean like hard time as in it's painful, physically painful or stuff like that, but you know, you've got, you, you don't have an adventure ready for next Sunday. And it's Friday night, and it it's actually been hanging around your neck a little bit. You've got a lot on at work. You've got some family commitments, and you you feel like, oh man, when you're really up for it, you will find time to prep. When you're really in the zone, there will be nothing stopping you running that game. You'll be getting your tokens sorted out. You'll be firing off a few WhatsApp messages about like previously in our excellent campaign, and you know everybody's up for it. But when it's not going, the smallest amount of prep you've got to do feels like a mountain to climb. Yeah. In those moments, you need someone to go really looking forward to the game on Sunday. That's all it will take. It's not much, is it? And just those little positive reinforcements, those little bits of validation can be really useful. And I'm as guilty as anyone from walking away from good sessions in good campaigns and not saying thank you at the end of it, which is just discourteous at the the best, rude at worst. And also, you know, not saying like, yeah, looking forward to next Sunday's game. It doesn't take much more than that because, you know, if you know you've got a willing audience, it lifts you. And if you feel over an extended period of time that you've lost the dressing room, you kind of don't want to play that game anymore. Mm-hmm. And you might call that burnout because what you don't want to do is be really honest and go, you guys are pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> you might call it burnout and you might go to a forum and go, I've got burnout, what shall I do? <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got is. all kinds of resentments because <laughs> <laughs> it's true you can get fed up you can get massively fed up with the people on the other side of the screen from you of course you can 
Yeah. Of course you can. You're spending an, an intense emotional time in the same room as people for many hours pretending to be elves. And, uh, and if you're doing it right, it'll be important. So it can happen. Of course it can. Um, we want to avoid that happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think there's just... Um, it's worth having those uh, oil checks, or whatever you want to call them, like sense checks at certain points. And kind of going, how's this campaign going? And are we happy with it kind of thing? I mean, we're almost going to the sort of management evaluations and stuff now, so I'm conscious that <laughs> of straying into that territory. But if you, if you feel a little bit flaggy yourself or you feel like it's not going anywhere or you're not really sure where else to take stuff, you can always chat to the people at the gaming table and ask how it's going and get some... Hmm. Or say, what else would you like to see? I think that's probably a good way of doing it rather than saying... Is everything all right? Because people generally say yes and not want to upset yeah. the apple cart, or you know, nobody wants to cause a confrontation if it, if they're not enjoying it too much or whatever it is. But asking for proactive answers, or say, what would you like to bring to the campaign? You know, what what's what's your character wanting to do that hasn't had an opportunity to do yet? That kind of thing. I think if you've got poking for things that other people want to give you inspiration, that can help you get fired up about what you're going to do next if you want to include something new in your campaign to get you excited about it as well. I think that's really strong advice. And and I guess the reason, one of my reasons wanting to dwell on this subject a bit is because I'm conscious that the other thing that people will feel burnt out on quite a lot is system. In fact, that's the usual suspect. I'm feeling burnt out. It must be the system. If only I change the system, (laughs) everything will be all right. That's, That's what we've all done it. We all do it all the time. But it's far more likely, in my experience, in my humble opinion, to be that there are probably the other factors like the ones you were just talking about, Gaz,ing that you know, you feel like you're prepping for for no impact or no engagement, or it's a hassle getting everybody in the same place all the time. And why is it always got to be me that does it? And frankly, it doesn't matter whether you're playing D twenty basic role playing or two D twenty; those problems are still going to be there, and they won't be addressed by your choice of dice mechanic. Yeah, it's true. Talking about different systems, though, that reminds me, I haven't felt that burnt out recently. And I think that's come down to playing lots of different games, finding other GMs to run some games for me as well. I'm not necessarily just running the same thing all the time. Uh, thinking back to our university days, you know, I ran Shadowrun for a year or whatever it was at university. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that, I'd had quite enough Shadowrun. Well, I've just not had that <laughs> chance to do that with any of the games I've played because I keep chopping and changing and playing different things. So although if you've got other problems in your game, changing the system or the setting, whatever is not going to fix those, definitely changing around what you're playing could keep things fresh. You know, I look forward yeah. to our Deadlands game, but we only play it maybe once every month or perhaps a little bit more frequently than that. It gone, I played maybe every two or three weeks but I look forward to it whenever it comes around, that kind of thing. And then other games we've got, we play fortnightly or whatever. And again, you sort of, you, in a way, sometimes you sort of think, I wish it was the other one. Do you know what I mean? When you're alternating games, you kind of like, I enjoyed last yes. week's session so much, I kind of want to play it again almost. Yeah. But if you're feeling like that about a game and you always want more, then that's a good sign. That's the opposite of burnout. That's like, you know, that's how you can health check. Are, are you enjoying mm. still what you're doing? Have you got the, the, the Jones for it? Is, I kind of want to do it again, but I can't yet. I've got to wait a week or whatever. And it's probably better to wait that extra week rather than try and find another night when you can fit in another game to try and overload yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's really key is that variety is a thing. They may even say it's the spice of life and, and that will definitely keep things fresh. 
I think my my advice would on this one would be you can freshen up and add variety to stuff that you're kind of already doing if that doesn't sound too weird. So uh, if you're playing in a D&D campaign and for you it's gotten stale and you're approaching burnout and you've, you've had enough of it, but you have got those other five people that you don't want to feel like you're letting down the other stuff we talked about. I'm not saying that you, you should you should you know you should only ever play one system. Far from it. But most systems, whatever it is, whether it be White Wolf or you pick it, they're big enough worlds and big enough settings that someone else can GM in that same setting. So you can mix up the the tone of the adventures. If you've been going into dungeons week after week after week, no wonder you're starting to get fed up with describing doors. Who wouldn't be? But equally, if you're playing like an intrigue-heavy vampire the masquerade, and uh, you, you know you just haven't gotten out of those kind of courtly intrigues forever and ever and ever, then running something that's a little bit more like GTA, where you're running through the streets and there's gunshots and there's there's sirens wailing and a little bit of a thrill fest, that will shake it up too. And you haven't jettisoned everything you've built so far because there will be nothing more demoralising than going back to square one. That's, <laughs> that's a feeling. Fresh starts are great. Yeah. Going back to square one feels feels like here we go again it's just a cycle then of only ever getting to week five in a game before you get that burnout feeling yeah because the un- the underlying stuff is all there so freshness and variety can be attained in lots of different ways mixing up people bringing someone new into the group losing someone from the group all of those things will freshen it up nicely yeah definitely and i think you touched on something there as well with how your campaign runs that you might actually be on a boat for a few weeks maybe you go to a different continent and maybe there's some intrigue yeah. on the boat and then you get off there and then when you get off the other side your dungeons you have on that side on that continent are all completely different with a different flavour and have yeah. different window dressing on them and all that kind of stuff uh, you can have court scenes you can have uh, all kinds of stuff you could be put in charge of something and you've got to look after it for X number of weeks think about different things you can do with your players and then your players can even play different characters you could even just do one week where you're playing some bad guys or you're playing uh, the heroes who used to wield the magic weapons that you now have or you just found. Well, how about the next mm-hmm. session is the bit where all those previous heroes lost them all. Well, that's, you know, chuck lots of different things into a regular campaign and that can keep it a lot more interesting too. Yeah, did you not do that in Blades in the Dark, I want to say? Did you play your gang, your own that's gang? That's right, yeah. I was getting a bit fed up that we didn't know any of the gang members' names, which you're not necessarily supposed to or anything like that but yeah. I felt like we weren't getting enough out of them because we had a gang and that's a part of the game so we we booted that to the GM and Ian ran the next session where we played gang members and caused all kinds of havoc because obviously we were rubbish compared to our main characters but that then gave us when we went back to it loads of things that had been messed up because of our numerous and stupid gang members that had broken everything that our main characters could clear up and we got a bit of fun from a, breaking things in the first place, but B, then clearing things up, knowing that it's kind of our own fault anyway, but it was fun to kind of like shout at the gang members who we'd played last week, and they all got their own little personalities then. So yeah, it really mixed things up, and uh, it, it was just a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. And and then that mixing it up, and we've kind of alluded to this as well, You know, it, I think it could be a really nice idea. I've often seen it done in theory more than practice, to be honest, but, you know, have one of the players step up to GM within the game you're still doing and you swap seats with that player. Take a, take a break from GMing in that campaign, but let the adventure run and let a fresh pair of eyes have a go at it. Uh, it's something that, that I've done in my home group a few times 
uh, but often we've we've kind of re-kickstarted a campaign at the same time so that's not quite what I'm talking about but it might be quite fresh to get a guest director on for a season you know it happens in films and tv shows all the time doesn't it uh, if you if you can bear, there's no winners in this situation because you're sitting there as a player, and if they're rubbish, you think, oh, I've let everyone down by putting a crap person behind the screen. If they're brilliant, you think, bloody what? They're really good. <laughs> Jesus, now I look shit. <laughs> yeah, it can be tough. Some players just don't want to GM, do they? But I think certainly no. for online games, you've, you've definitely got that opportunity to get a one-shot new GM in, a guest star GM or something like that. Or even players to add to the group or things like that. In fact, if you watch uh, the Elliot by Night vampire sort of um, critical role style series, you know, in actual play, they very often have uh, other guests in that come in and swap in and out for cast members and that kind of thing to keep things interesting. Cool. So there's no harm in taking a leaf out of that book either. So the uh, the biggest burnout I ever had was um, was in fourth edition D anD D. And look, I named named the system because you always blame the system for these <laughs> things. <laughs> but that's that's shorthand for what we were doing at the time. Uh, and I was I ran fourth edition through the released adventures, which are universally panned as being awful. And I have some sympathy for that view at the end of the process. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I took my group from level one to thirty back when D&D went up to 30. This must have taken four or five years, maybe. Uh, playing nearly every week, outside of you know holidays and big periods like that. And I, it didn't take very long, and this was in some ways a system issue, but every, every session would be identical. There would be two combats separated by a tea break, pretty much. And we would have battle maps and stuff. And do you know what? We enjoyed the game. Of course we enjoyed the game, because people came back to it year after year. And D and D does quite a nice little kind of is it the Skinner box thing where it gives you it just gives you a tiny little reward every now and again <laughs> and and you know, have a new level have a new feat have a new magic item so it does feel like it feels a little bit fresh all the time but believe you me I didn't want to referee any more board game at the end of that five years <laughs> I was done I was done stick a fork in me there is no more and um, and I suspect that the the last year of that campaign was not terribly satisfying, which is such a shame because that's when you want it to be a big, great big finish, don't yeah. you? Um, and after that, I didn't play that game again for quite a few years. And actually, I don't think I've ever really played it more substantially than that. I literally burnt on that. I could not have wrung any more out of the game. I'd finished it. <laughs> I, had, I had completed D&D. <laughs> so I think you can get to the end of a game and think i don't really need to play that anymore and that there'll be rare events yeah so nowadays i can look back on it and go that wasn't burnout that was just exhaustion that's a different thing entirely but <laughs> yeah. it was well it's, it's a definition of being burnt out isn't it mm. i think i yeah, think you kind of got to recognize it, it for yourself sometimes as well when you're playing something that you're not getting that much enjoyment out of there's a kind of sequel <coughs> from the internet anyway a sort of martyrdom about being a gm and it's like, oh, I've kind of got to finish this campaign for my players. It's like, do you though? And you feel like I need to run this sort of game because they don't like that sort of game. Um, and if you constantly find yourself burning out on whatever game it is you're playing, that was an extreme example you gave of just playing for a long time with the same things. So you can mm. understand it. But for gems who do feel like they're constantly getting ground down or it feels like effort, you probably need to worry less about what you're players want or what you think they want and play more for yourself because that's another thing that can grind you down is 
if you think you're providing something for other people, but you're not getting out of it what you want to do, like you said, the last year of your campaign, you probably weren't getting that much out of it, but wanted it for completeness. So if you find yourself doing that a lot, it's probably worth asking yourself, how much am I getting out of this? And can I put more stuff in that I like to get more out of it for myself? Yeah. Yeah, this this uh, this is the root of it for me, mate. This is advice we're going to have for. I don't think it's easy to do uh, at all, but I think it's absolutely within everybody's power to have whatever game they want to have. I genuinely believe that. Even if you consider yourself to be the small cog in the giant engine that is your game setup, even if you're like the player who doesn't necessarily say much, maybe doesn't make it to every single week, and you maybe maybe you feel like, well, what can I do about this? Is it, this is their game. I'm, I'm the guest in it. You still have the ability, whenever the spotlight comes in your direction, to say or attempt anything you want. And that's just in-game. Out-of-game, you've got the same responsibilities anybody else has to put your hand up and say, I, I really fancy taking it in this direction, or have we thought about doing this, or is it all right? If, you know, and We don't need to give that kind of advice to people. But in the game, you can do, you really do have a lot of power. And the GM has even more power than anybody. Because they've got all the invisible elephants that they can drop into any situation. They can they can decide whether there's a combat coming or not coming. They can decide whether to get the dice out for an encounter or not at all. They can absolutely decide what everything is going to be. Even if you think you are playing in a complete free sandbox, you're playing Dungeon World where all the dice are out in the open and it only goes in the direction of play, we all have the ability to steer the rudder on that game whether you want to be heavy-handed about it or not. But really, I think I think it's difficult to pull off it in, in real life. But it's possible. And knowing that it's possible has to give you that glimmer of hope. If you find yourself in a dead-end game, turn the game around and drive in a different direction. Grab the wheel. <laughs> yeah. No, very true. Uh, this is the conversation we had about one of the games we played recently, actually. But I think sometimes people might not know what you're trying to do as well. So if you're feeling frustrated and can't do the thing you want to do, you might need mm. to be more clear about what it is you're trying to achieve because by your actions, you might think you're making it obvious what you're doing, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is understanding what your end goal is. They just understand what you're doing with the rudder. They don't really see what you're yeah. trying to pilot the ship. So it's like a lot of advice, really. Sometimes you've kind of got to go outside the game and say, look, guys, this is where I'm aiming for, but my character's a bit daft about it, so he's going to go by this crescent route to get there, but that's that's my arc, that's what I'm aiming for. I just get that bit of understanding with the people will often get you a bit more leeway in how often you get to steer the ship and where to. Yeah, absolutely, uh, because, because the alternative is burnout. That's the alternative, okay? The alternative is that you are festering and simmering, possibly even fuming and raging underneath the surface, and if you're very lucky, it won't come out as a table flip. But what it might come out is is people just try and suicide their character or 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 even and maybe not even intentionally just derail the campaign to get it to stop to give themselves permission to to not you know not feel the pressure and it's i think burnout and pressure are, are two sides of the same coin I think one leads to the other or pressure's okay, but then it becomes stress, and nobody wants that from their hobby and then you know you you will see the same the same pattern will be someone will try and change something in the narrative that they want to change in their real life. And role-playing is brilliant because it allows you to have that kind of bleed and to really feel something and to visit different worlds. But it's awful because it can bleed out into your real life as well. 
and you think that doing something in one realm will affect the other, and it never does, not effectively anyway. So you've got, you got to watch out for that, that your burnout, you're not trying to fix your burnout by by having different NPCs show up and bully the things that you think are getting on your nerves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of problems in a game that actually solved outside of the game, as we keep keep going back to. But every time, yeah, the the system and NPC making dice rolls harder, all these other things aren't going to solve so a lot of things that are a problem. Yeah, yeah. So it may just be that you're knackered, right? So we come back full circle to where we started, which is why don't we just take a break? Why why don't you just like knock it on the head for a bit? Why not? I mean, I'll answer my own question by thinking that's okay if you think that will solve it. Um, but what you are giving up by having that break is you're giving up potential good gaming time because mm-hmm. you you don't know what would have happened. I think it can be quite hard to get back in the flow if you take a, a break that goes on for too long. Just tends to become more and more permanent. It gets harder and harder to to get back in the hobby. And I and I regret time away from the hobby in my past. Um, so there's a couple of reasons. And 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 the other one is that you that break has got to be doing something for you. I mean, we're talking to people in this audience, I know we are, for whom role-playing is not just a pastime. It's not. It's, it's way more important than that, you know? Uh, like any, like anybody who's got like a proper hobby, this really matters. So stepping away from it is is a much bigger deal than just like, you know, walking out of a play you're not enjoying halfway through. Yeah. That's almost disposable, you know? that That is, that's just a one-shot and who cares, really? You know, or or giving up on a book that you spent eight ninety nine on from Waterstones, you feel a bit bad about it because you've sunk some money into <laughs> it. But at the end of the day, there'll be other books. Stepping away from the hobby for a break is, I think, I think, quite a big deal. And if you're feeling burnt out, it, that will be all part of the mental pressure that you have on yourself as well, won't it? And it will look like an easy answer. I don't know if it always is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to go back full circle, you don't have to have a complete break from the hobby. I think is it the way? Certainly, given the way online gaming has gone, if you are finding as a gem with a group that you're playing a long campaign for and you're getting frustrated enough, you can have a break, which doesn't mean stopping role playing altogether. You could just go online and find another game or something else to play a one shot off or a short run mm-hmm. or something else, and just say I need a couple of weeks off, guys, and then go and play. My life with master or something with a completely different group of people as a player, and let somebody else jam it for you and that kind of thing. Uh, or it might be something different, like buying a computer game and playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey or something for a week, just to give yourself some new ideas and to not have to think too hard or that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it is as simple. I'm still not convinced it's as simple as like just stop playing altogether. I don't think that's necessarily great although like you I have said that I think but I think it's maybe stop playing with the same people for a while and do something different yeah I think a change is as good as a rest mm-hmm. it's got to be isn't it change it up a little bit and if that does mean as well you know that maybe you reevaluate your schedule absolutely but have that change and and I think often that that change needs to be more than just a system it's probably people might be place might be that that pub that you're meeting in all the time is actually just not the pub it was when you started a couple of years earlier you know it's had a change of atmosphere whatever or the people's jobs have changed i mean much to my my utter horror 
I hadn't realised for a long time that one of the players in my regular group is working a lot further away from home than he used to be. He's getting up at five every day to get to work instead of getting up at six every day. So, you know, the Thursday night game that we were playing to gone 11 o'clock at night was becoming a drain on him. And he's such a gentleman, he didn't bother saying anything about mm. it. And we all felt awful about it to watch him sort of like yawning his way through the end of it. And his yawns became like, oh, I'm a shit GM then, am I? I'm boring <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, this is how this happens. Yeah. Situations change. And, and over a long period of time, it's inevitable that something's going to change. And, you know, you don't always have to take that personally. So if, if things are going to change anyway, then force some change on it every now and again. Keep it fresh. Keep it lively. Check in with people every now and again. Make sure everything's okay. Yes. Correct. I think I'm burnt out of this conversation now. To be honest, Baz, I think we've exhausted our gaming. Well, I've been meeting. I've been meeting to talk to you about seeing other people. <laughs> <laughs> you can get in touch with the Smart Party via your favourite electronic means. Look us up on the forums, where we're just about everywhere, or you can simply email us at thesmartparty@hotmail.com. Your comments, insights, questions, and revelations are always welcome. More diplomacy. <laughs> well as long as you're not on the podcast wait a minute you have been on the podcast you've been interviewed oh. for King of Dungeons and all sorts yeah I know I know crazy those crazy times continue there's there's a different burnout story when it comes to game design there's <laughs> <laughs> a good conversation and I, I hope that people will take it in the spirit that it was meant in we are not telling anybody how to live their lives God knows we wouldn't be able to we're not telling anybody how to play their games but uh, we have some accumulated decades of experience here. And I think that burnout is a thing. It's absolutely real. We've talked about some of our experiences of it. It is horrible when it happens. Prevention's definitely better than the cure in every single yes. sense. Um, um, and I, I think, you know, caring about your hobby is, is something that is easily glossed over. And I think it needs a little bit, just to extend the metaphor again, you've got to keep putting the compost in. You've got to water it little and often. You've got to trim back some of the dead wood. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of this comes down to looking after your own mental health. So just do that generally. And uh, yes, prevention's better than cure, for sure. Absolutely. So thank you once again for listening, guys. Always a pleasure uh, to catch up with anybody who wants to give us feedback, comments, likes, subscribe, shares, and all that shizzle. But you know, reach out to us. We love talking to people uh, in real life and these days on the internet because we can't get out and see you at conventions and stuff like that. So keep the chatter going you can reach us on our patreon uh, that's at an obvious place what would the smart party do forward slash patron um or the other way around in fact patron forward slash the smart party, the smart party do. <laughs> <laughs> you're not in charge of social media anymore you said clearly uh, anymore well, you weren't was I ever? <laughs> i'll try to make you feel better <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com forward slash the smart party you can get me at the, the underscore smart underscore party on Twitter and Baz at Baz Stevens and all kinds of the most smartpartyhotmail.com but what would the smart party do into YouTube all manner of places do let us know what you think and so forth yeah thanks guys we'll see you next time on what the smart party did .co .uk .com .org. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye.com <laughs>